Hello and welcome to another episode of Tots. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have Steve Raggiani. He's the founder and CEO of Aid It. Steve, welcome to the show. What up, Ben? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So start off by telling me a little bit about what you do normally and then what you've been doing with Aid It. What I do normally, I don't know if we can get into that on this pod, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, my... Uh, my normal job is is in the advertising and marketing industry. I'm the head of creative at Live Nation. Um, but yeah, I'm my family grew up. I grew up in in that restaurant industry. Um, as a ten year old boy, I was I was the guy, the little kid that sat you at your table and brought you a menu and filled your water glasses and brought you bread. So um, yeah, I've worked every job in the restaurant industry, and um, you know. That, that was kind of how I, I learned about experiences and customer service and, and learning about hospitality. Um, and then from there, I, I went into advertising and marketing. And um, that was where I worked at Mullen in Boston and, and went out to San Francisco and ran the tequila division at, at, um, at Campari, a couple brands, um, uh, couple brands, Espolone and Cabo Tequila. And, uh, and then from there, I went to Live Nation and moved to New York. And that was when... Ate it, the seed of Aid It was born. Um, yeah, I got to, I got to New York, and I was just so excited to dive into this like massive playground of food. Obviously, coming from a food family, super excited about eating food all the time. And when I get to New York, I'm like, damn, there's so many amazing options that you can eat here. And I'm just like, where do I start? So I do what every normal person does. They go on Google. They type in best burger, New York, and then you get served up a whole bunch of articles, Thrillist, Infatuation, Eater, Grub Street. Um, and I'm reading all these articles and, you know, start cross-referencing. I'm like, okay, this one says it's good here. This one's good here. And now I'm looking on Google to figure out, oh, is it two trains away? Is it one train away? Do I take an Uber there? Now I'm looking on Yelp to cross-reference those reviews and they're all basically one-star reviews from Karens out there that are just leaving like crappy reviews to these restaurants, even though they have good food because they had, you know, one tiny weird experience about the atmosphere, like the draft, there was a draft right. front door or something like that. So it was just like really frustrating uh, process. And next thing you know, it's like 45 minutes later and I still haven't eaten because I've just been doing all this work. Um, and... I started texting with my friend Joe and we were just kind of like griping about it. And, you know, coming from the advertising world where we're working with Google, Airbnb, Adidas, like these big brands and helping them solve their problems. We were kind of just like, why don't we solve this problem for ourselves? So we just kind of took it on as a challenge. And, and we, the challenge we gave ourselves was how do we help people go from being hungry to eating something like certified dope in three thumb taps? And that was, that was our, our challenge of simplicity. And we downloaded every food app that existed on the planet. And we were just kind of like critiquing and figuring out like, is this a good idea or is it not a good idea? And it, it felt to us that everyone was complicating things. So we just, we, we really focused on simplicity and, um, and that's, that's kind of how it all started. You know, Joe and I were just doing it over text and, and we kind of just came up with the idea like that. That's awesome. And the idea of trying to simplify something that I think everyone struggles with, especially living in a city and trying to find, you know, somewhere good to eat and how to get there. And like, you know, well, I don't want to eat this, but I'll eat it. Like it's it's such an overcomplicated experience. And these food apps honestly don't make it any better. So to go after something like that, that's got to be a huge challenge. So like, what was your process in terms of going from, okay, we don't have anything, but we know what we don't want to be and we know what we do want to be to finally, you know, creating what you guys have created today. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you know what you don't want to be, it's almost better because it kind of gives you a, uh, like something to put a stake in the ground and, and hold yourself accountable to. So we knew we didn't want to be an, a user generated platform. We knew we didn't want Karen's to be on the app. We knew we wanted to be about trust and credibility we knew we wanted to make it simple and easy for people to find great food. So once we anchored ourselves in, in those things, and, and one of the other things was like all these other companies like Yelp and 
the third party delivery apps, they're, they're taking money from restaurants that already have super thin margins. And we were like, we don't want to make money off restaurants. We're going to figure, we're going to, whatever it is, we're going to figure out a different way to make money, but we're putting that stake in the ground as well. And that's also like something that I think has helped us is, um, a lot of the relationships that we've built in the restaurant industry, when people find out that, that we believe in that, they, they wrap their arms around us. So I bet that was, that was, um, definitely how we got started was kind of just like really staying true to who we are and developing what our POV is. And then the rest kind of just felt natural. Yeah. And, and too, I think your experience at live nation has certainly set you up for, you know, the creative side of things and, and making everything look nice. I know we were talking earlier this week about, you know, things are, for an app that to me feels very like like new and trendy and things like that, it's very, very polished in terms of like your logo, the way everything looks and things like that. And I think the reason behind that is because you have all of this experience in marketing and advertising. So how did you even get started in that? And how did you go from that to then actually deciding like, hey, I am having this problem, but instead of trying to find like the closest thing that would help me out, I'm just going to start it on my own. Yeah. I mean, between Joe and I both working in the creative and advertising marketing industry, it's, it's second nature to us. Like it, if things don't look clean like that, then it, it it's, it's not even an option <laughs> in our, right. in our minds. So, um, that, that's why everything looks so polished. And it's funny because people, they discover ate it, whether it's on Instagram or, um, on the app store and they think it's this like billion dollar Silicon Valley company. And it's really just <laughs> a couple dudes in New York. So, um, yeah, it, it's funny. It's, it's, it's second nature to us, but to the, to the masses, it's not. So that's why it's really important as we're like develop, developing our community and building our community where we make sure that we're telling our story, that we're just a small company um, it's just three of us right now that are, that are working on it and trying to bring it to the rest of the world. And the feedback we're getting is really awesome. Like a lot of people are reaching out and asking how they can help and, and stuff like that, which is cool. Cause I think, you know, people are so quick to judge and, you know, just cause something looks slick doesn't mean that it's operated by a giant corporation. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, you know, with all of these creative tools that we have now and, you know, we've got obviously the entire Adobe suite, which is like the, you know, gold standard. And then I think people have also brought it down another level in terms of access, like things like Canva. You can use Fiverr. I think that the creative space has gotten really interesting because it used to be more of if you're not using someone who does this all the time and that's their main job, like, you know, you can't trust it, whatever. But now it's all of these tools that can help you learn to do it. You can do it for free or you can do it for next to nothing and have somebody that just, you know, happens to do this occasionally design your stuff. So I think the creative space has really adapted in the last, I would say, like five years. Yeah, 100 percent. We use Fiverr for a lot of like side projects, animations and stuff like that. There's so many talented people out there in like Romania that, <laughs> that uh, can, can work on a project for you for much cheaper than it is in the U S and, and make it look super polished. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, through running a couple businesses myself, when I go and I look for people to work on my stuff, it does still feel a little sketchy when you go to some of these sites and you're like, Oh, like it's someone that I don't know. They live in mm -hmm. some random foreign country that I've never been to. I don't speak that language, but you know, they're offering this service at this price. Like, can I let them in? Whatever. Uh, and I will say the one experience I have had that was like, just blew me away that like really solidified that this was like a definite thing that I should do was uh, I used to run an online store and I had this team from Germany reach out and they were like, hey, like we randomly like came upon your store and like, you know, we we would like you to hire us to do this, this, this and this. Um, and it was like probably a laundry list of like 25 things, some of it that I was like, okay, that definitely needs to be done. Some of it that I had no experience in because I wasn't a website designer. I kind of like threw it together. Um, and they were like, yeah, so like, we'd like you to hire us to do this. And I think this would help your website. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, I'll think about it, but I'm thinking like, they're going to charge me like, you know, thousands of dollars, whatever. And I wrote back and I was just like, Hey, like what, 
you know, what would this cost to get done? And they were like, 35 US dollars. And I was like, $35? They're like, yeah, yeah, $35. That's like two sandwiches in New York. (laughs) Right. Like it's, it's crazy how when we think about um, money, this is the other thing too, is like, you know, it's two sandwiches in New York. And like, obviously, like I, I love food, you love food. That depending on the sandwich is totally worth it. But there's other places in the country where like, you know, $35 is 10 sandwiches and it's everything yeah. is kind of mixed up. <laughs> but um, it's weird that we don't think about money in terms of like, like $35 on food for me, like get a steak versus like $35 to like have my website redone. It's mm-hmm. weird that the $35 to get the website redone sometimes almost feels like it's like much, much more than spending money on things that we like, like food. But when you think mm-hmm. about it, you know, you're investing in like future things. So it's, you know, the money I think in this country is interesting how people decide, you know, how they want to spend it and what they're, what they're actually putting it towards. Yeah. It's all about investing in yourself. So that sandwich is going to make you feel like a million bucks, then it's worth it. If that website's going to transform your business, then it's worth it. So it's all about thinking about what the, the ROI is, right? <laughs> that's that's exactly. what all the business people say. Yeah. <laughs> so where did your love of food start? So we talked a little bit about, you know, you grew up in the restaurant industry, but, you know, at what age did you start to realize like, oh, like, food plays a major role in the way that I think about the world and the way that I experience things. Well, I think it was probably even before I started working in the restaurant because my family's 50% Italian. So food was always a centerpiece in any, any situation. Um, we build our experiences around food, whether it's a holiday or someone's birthday or whatever, or just regular or what's for dinner. It's a, what's for dinner was a daily conversation. Whereas in some families, it's just something that needs to get done. So um, yeah, food, food has always been super important. I think the looking back, it was probably when I was around like 10, between 10 and 13, where my mom was like, we were eating at my, my family's restaurant and um, I was like critiquing the food because I was saying like, oh, <laughs> this pasta tastes different than it did the last time we were here. And my mom was making a joke about how I would be a food critic one day. And I was, I, I, we always laughed about that because it was just like, how do you even become a food critic? Like no one even knows what the trajectory is there. But, uh, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, that, that was definitely like a, a particular memory I have of my mom making a joke about that when I was a little kid. And, and then from there, just, yeah, working in the restaurant kind of gave me a new appreciation for food, whether it was, I was jumping behind the line and helping, uh, you know, put out pasta dishes for the restaurant or washing dishes, which is a thankless job, but someone's got to do it. Yep. Um, you know, jumping behind the pastry line and banging out tiramisu's and, and cannolis. Um, and then even jumping to the front of house and, and working as a, as a bartender and eventually bar manager where I'm interfacing with a lot of the customers and understanding what they like, what they don't like, remembering people's orders, making their experience awesome. Um, so the, all that kind of stuff kind of like jumbles up into my love for food. And I think um, also moving to San Francisco, which is an awesome food city, um, kind of opened my palate to a lot of the Asian dishes that I had never tried before. Um, so yeah, like a, a lot of these experiences kind of have come to a head right now with, with Ate It. Sure. Yeah, so you mentioned like the food critic thing. Talk to me about how people actually give reviews for the food that they're eating. Like how does that system work? How do you know if something is actually good or not? Because as you were saying, you know, you wanted to make like a Karen free platform, Karen free platform, tongue twister. And <laughs> like, how, how do you avoid having people on there who are going to judge the food, not for the food, but for some extraneous little, you know, bullshit? Yeah. So when when we first got started, it was really about creating a foundational layer of trust with the reviews. So if you look at who's out there that's reviewing food, it's it's the food media that most people trust. Who do you like when you're looking for food, how do you who do you read? Ben. Uh Google. I ju- I literally Google. just I w- I was thinking about this yesterday. I just search, you know, burgers near me or tacos near me or something like that and I always get crappy results. Right. <laughs> well, a lot of people um especially like hardcore foodies, they're like you know, you'll have some people that say like, oh, I really trust Eater. 
And another person says, I really trust infatuation. And then there are certain people that, you know, live and die by Thrillist recommendations or Time Out Magazine. So that was kind of where we started. And we said, okay, let's make sure that every one of these lists that says, you know, these are the top 20 burgers of New York is in the app. And all the reviews in the app are only eight words. So you don't have to read the entire article. We'll link you to the, the whole article if you want to. Um, but we know that when you're hungry, you're not going to read a 2000 word essay about the restaurant. You just want to know what yep. to order there and why. Um, so that's, that's really where we started is like that industry level trust layer of food media. Um, then from there, it was really about us creating relationships and, and onboarding different critics that are from the industry. And when I say critics, I, I use that term loosely because there's a lot of people that have um, incredible palates, incredible experiences, whether they're a chef or they work in the food industry and they've tasted a lot of the most amazing things in the country. That's what I mean by a critic. Um, so, you know, I'll give you an example. When we first got started, we had, you know, a lot of the foundational layer reviews in there and we were putting content out on Instagram and building the brand. And we put out a, a meme about a restaurant that had opened up by Chef Carl Ruiz, which was right next to Live Nation where I was working. And if you don't know Chef Carl, he was a Food Network chef, um, awesome dude, super talented, incredible human being. And um, we, were, we, were, we were slightly little fanboys at the time. <laughs> and um, we had gone in there, we, had, we didn't know him, and we had eaten uh, the tostones there. So after we ate there, we created this meme with uh, Victor Cruz doing his salsa dance. And it said, the first time you try the Tostones at La, La Cubana. And he's like doing the, the salsa in the, in the end zone. <laughs> That's and awesome. um, it must've got his attention. And, and he reached out to us and he said, yo, come by. Um, I want to introduce myself. I want to meet you guys. So we wow. came over, like the DM came through. We happened to be at Live Nation. We popped over and we're just kind of like, what's going on here? Uh, and the restaurant was like kind of dark. It was like around noon. They don't open till like five. And we pop in and we're like, hello. <laughs> and he emerges <laughs> from the dark, uh, kind of dis disheveled from the night before. And he's like, hey, what's up, guys? Uh, we just kind of like shot the shit, introduced ourselves, talked a little bit. He goes, you, you mind coming outside while I, while I smoke the cigarette? And he's like ripping a Marlboro red and we're like hanging out in the street and he's like smoking. We're ripping, we're like, you know, telling jokes and stuff and a lot of stuff that I probably can't tell on this podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and he seemed to vibe with us after like, you know, five minutes and uh, yeah. he goes, you guys want to eat a hot dog? <laughs> he guy loved hot dogs more than anyone. And uh, he said, there's a spot in Chelsea market, which is right across the street, which is like mm -hmm. this, like, uh, marketplace of amazing food in New York, the spot called Dixon's that he wanted to try the hot dog at. And I've been there a bunch of times and I, I had my particular order there. So I was excited to, to get that. It's one of my favorites. It's a spicy Italian sandwich. And we we're like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. So we go in, we order hot dogs. Uh, we got the spicy Italian sandwich. We brought it back to his nice. restaurant. We posted up at the bar in like kind of in the dark. No one, no one was working there. It was closed. <laughs> And we're just like kind of shooting the shit, eating lunch together um, with this guy we just met um, 10 minutes ago. So we're sharing stories. He didn't like the hot dog. I showed him the sandwich. I was like, really? you want to take a bite of this? So I'm, like, I'm giving him a bite now of my sandwich. He takes a bite. He's like, holy shit, that's freaking good. And it was, <laughs> it was kind of like a moment of like, nice. I showed him something. <laughs> right. You're like, and, there, uh, here's this crazy chef and, and you were able to like, take your order and show it to him. And he was like, Oh, that's good. It's, it's like a validating moment. Big validation moment for sure. I'll always remember his face. He was like, he looked at me. He was like, why didn't I know about the sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and from there we were just like, you know, hanging out and he goes, you guys got anywhere to be, or you want to, you want to hit another spot? And we were like, okay. And he's like, I want to show you something. <laughs> so we start walking through West village He's ripping another cigarette and another cigarette and we're cracking jokes. And I mean, he's, he's one of, he was one of those guys that he knew a lot about everything mm -hmm. and he was funny as hell, like belly laughing all day, 
no matter what was coming out of his mouth. So super amazing, memorable day of meeting Carl. He takes us to another French spot, little French bakery. And we got this, it was like this um, little puff, ch uh, chocolate puff pastry that was just like, I, when I ate it, I was like, yo, this place is three blocks from my apartment and I had no idea this existed. And That's nuts. You know, he, he called it a, a whirlwind. I oh, know he said, uh, he goes, this is a, a little ball of chocolate whipped cream heaven. And I was like, that's your ate it. He, he like spoke in eight words. Like the guy was just like gifted. Um, and that was the moment where it, it kind of clicked. And I was just like, wow, this, this guy is so amazing. And he knows a lot of these hidden gems around New York City that the food media doesn't really cover. So while we were building that foundational layer of food media, um, we're having this incredible experience with Carl and we're like, holy shit, like there we're we're missing a bunch of amazing piece, types of food around New York. So after like two hours of just like laughing and eating food all around the the city, we get back to his restaurant and he was just kind of like, you guys are awesome. I love what you guys are building. I hate Karen's and I hate Yelp. So if there's anything I can do to help, I'm here for you. And we kind of just said like, hey, like you want to be a critic on the app? And he's like, absolutely. So he started sending us all his favorite dishes around New York City and we made him an official ate it critic. And um, we went by his restaurant like a week later and gave him like a custom official ate it critic t-shirt with his his slogan Ruizing on the back. And he was super stoked. That's um, awesome. And then I remember when I dropped the t-shirt off, he was like, what are you doing for dinner tonight? And I, I was going to uh, <laughs> Peter Luger's Steakhouse that night. Uh, hadn't been there before. And he was like, get the lamb. It's a sleeper. And I was just like, again, the another one. Steakhouse. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and, all right. um, and I'm like, okay. And we, we, we ended up going that night and it was amazing. You'll, you'll see the lamb on, on the app now, recommended by Carl. But um, Good. <laughs> yeah, it, that, was, that was the moment where it really clicked and he posted on his Instagram after his reviews were all on the app and he said to, you know, he had, I think 50,000 followers or something like that. And he was like, guys, don't use Yelp anymore. Don't, don't listen to those Karens, those monsters. Uh, <laughs> download, ate it, and you can eat like Carl. All my recommendations are on there. So like that idea wow. of, that idea of like eat like Carl was awesome. And his fans really wanted that because he had, he had created such an engaged community of people that love him and love what he's all about and love Ruizing. Uh, that was his, that was his line. And um, it was, it was incredible what he, what he built too. Like he was one of those people that he responded to every DM himself. Wow. And like, you know, with 50,000 followers, like you're getting a lot of stuff and you're on That's TV and yeah. like he was just super committed to like making sure that everyone had a good experience. And even if someone wanted to argue with him, he was, he was the first one to clap back. So he, uh, <laughs> Carl he, claps he, back. Carl claps back. Um, so yeah, man, like that, that was kind of how we, we got into the, the whole onboarding of critics in the industry because we realize that the food media doesn't cover everything. It's a great, it's a great source for start for starters, but there needed to be uh, another level there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what to like a vote of confidence from a huge chef that he's like, yeah, what you guys are doing works. I like it. And then to go and like promote you guys to his people and to say, whatever else you're using, get rid of it. This is what you need to be on. This is what I like. Huge, huge, huge for you guys. I'm sure because that word of mouth is like from somebody like that. You can't, you can't afford that. I mean, that's, that's incredible. It's just, I, that that's like the universe. I don't I don't know what that is because it just kind of like came to us and we were just focused on building and do, putting our putting our POV out there and, and it kind of just drew his attention, which that's how I guess that's how life works. And um, I think that's that's what was so unfortunate that, you know, he ended up passing away in in fall 2019 oh, no. suddenly. And 
we had created such a cool relationship, especially because he was like right next door to where I worked. So like right. I would pop in all the time, shoot the shit, have a shot. He loved Jim Beam. So we'd do a shot of Jim Beam and have a beer together. Um, go over there after after work for dinner all the time. So when he when he passed away, suddenly it was just kind of like, just like, I can't say fuck, but fuck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It was, it was, it was a, it was a punch to the gut. I bet. Shit. Yeah. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But it's crazy how, you know, a lot of the things that he had said, like when we were, we would sit down and have, have a beer together, you know, he, he wanted to see us grow and he was, he was kind of, he was a mentor to, to us. And he always said, you know, I, I can't wait to show my friends this stuff from the food network. And it was cool because he, he really, he didn't, he didn't really like, we weren't sure how much he really was bought into ate it, but we knew he, he was down. And mm -hmm. the, the crazy part was after he passed away, we were just kind of like, Whoa, like, what do we do? And right. like, we just lost our consigliere. Like he was like, anytime we had a question, it was just like, what would Carl do? And we, we would, we would, you know, message him and he'd be like, all right, this is what you got to do. Or that guy, that guy's a jerk. Don't, don't screw around with him. And, um, now he, he was, was your gone. guide. Yeah. yeah. He was our guide. He was our, he, yeah, he was our guide. And, um, when he, when he passed away, we kind of had this moment of just like, <sighs> and then all of a sudden we get a message from this woman named Gloria. I'm like, who's Gloria? She's she wanted to invite us to his memorial in Miami. And I'm, and I come to find out she's his manager. I never even knew he had a manager. That's like, wow. That's how humble he was. Like he, he wasn't like, oh, talk to my manager. Did it like he was in it and doing it all himself. And and that was the craziest part. We were like, whoa. And we're like, thank you for the invite, Gloria. This is like, we're humbled. We never thought we would even be invited to his memorial. And she was like you don't understand how much Carl talked about you guys. Like he was your biggest fan. And it was like, whoa, like I had no idea he was like kind of talking about us that way. And it was just like, so on, we were so honored and we went down to Miami and you know, the, the crazy thing is like, you know, Carl always said he wanted to introduce us to his friends and he weirdly has continued to do it, even though he's not here in weird ways. Um, so it was just, it was wild. And, um, the funeral was really sad, um, and, and beautiful at the same time. Guy, Guy Fieri was there and he gave his eulogy and it was one of the most beautiful things I, I have ever heard in my life. Wow. Um, and there was something in his eulogy that really stuck with me where he said, you know, Carl was one of those types of people that was everyone's biggest hype man and you didn't know it. And I was like, yep. Like I got, I just got chills saying that, but wow, it was just like, man, he like really, really was down with us. And like, we had no idea, <laughs> um, but wow. it was fun at the end. And it was emotional, just like kind of like hanging out, drinking Jim Beam with all his friends and getting to of know course. each other. And yeah. Um, from that day forward, Carl's, you know, kept that promise and continues to introduce us to his friends. And we all wear, we all wear a Ruizing uh, band on our wrists because it's like our, you know, some people wear WWJD. I got the Ruizing band because whenever I, I'm not sure what to do, I just think about what will Carl do. That's incredible. And what like a, Wow. I mean, so first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss and that he's gone, but what an incredible person to just kind of cross paths with like randomly and, and, you know, to be that close and to not, you know, know like who he was or whatever until you went and ate at the restaurant and you guys had that connection. Like the way that the world works and the universe works and, and pushes people together, it's like, you can't help but think that, things are meant to happen certain ways. And, and certainly you guys were meant to meet Carl. Um, and, and I'm blown away too. Like you have to be a pretty special person to have the mayor of Flavortown give your eulogy. 
Like that's that's got to be a huge honor. Uh, and and what an incredible person he seemed to be. Yeah, guy, guy and Carl are like we're like best friends. So it was wow. um it was it was a really awesome awesome eulogy. And I know Carl means so much to Guy. So it was uh it was really really intense, but awesome. I'm sure. So coming out of that, like what what did you guys do uh, once, you know, he'd passed and you were kind of left like, you know, what where do we go from here? Like, who do we ask these questions to? Who's our who's our new, you know, biggest fan? Because, you know, I'm sure that left a huge hole in not only your lives, but also what you were thinking about for Ada. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely like a period of kind of like depressing vibes and just like trying to figure out like what we're going to do. But we realized that, you know, Carl's just always going to be with us no matter what. He's he, Carl's our Mufasa now. So he's, he's just up in the sky and we see him send us messages throughout our everyday lives every day. And, um, you know, every time I see a sabrette cart, like a hot dog cart in New York, I think of Carl and I know he's with us. So that's, um, you know, just thinking about what he used to say, say to us and try to remember a lot of the advice that he gave us and see it come up in messages that are hidden throughout our everyday lives. And that's the best we can do. We don't really have anyone like that anymore, but um, we're hoping that hopefully, you know, some of his friends start to kind of come on board and, and help us out in that way that he used to. That would be cool. But, you know, fast forward to one year later from his passing, this is a quick example of that. Like Gloria, we, Gloria obviously is like, kind of fills that void for us. Um, right she knew Carl better than anyone. So if we ever have a question, we're like, we go to Gloria. Right. And Gloria can give us a, a pretty good sense of what Carl would say <laughs> in that situation. And one year later, after his passing, she reached out to us um, wanting to give back on his one year memorial. And she had this idea of like, you know, the restaurant industry is struggling how do we do something on Carl's birthday that kind of does something that he would do? And I know I mentioned earlier that his, his slogan of Ruizing. Ruizing meant living life to the fullest and spreading joy and just doing whatever the hell you want to do. And everyone's definition of Ruizing is different, but we wanted to make sure that on his one year memorial, we created a day of ruizing and Gloria had an awesome idea of encouraging people to tip big on that, on that one day, that one kind of like weekend when, when, he, when it was a one year anniversary and we put our advertising skills to, to the test and we were like, all right, let's come up with a concept that we can put out to the world as like a call to action, a call to arms to get everyone to start ruizing that weekend. And we came up with this idea for the video to go around New York and just leave fat tips, like, like ridiculously, <laughs> like, I'm not talking like 25%, 30%, like, like a hundred percent tip on the bill and just wow. like blow the waiter's mind or blow whoever's serving us mind. And, um, that was really fun, uh, to shoot. We went, we, for our first stop was uh, a sabrette hot dog cart. Cause we knew that was of Carl's course, favorite. You have to. And, uh, yep. I remember we rolled up and we were like, you know, four hot dogs, mustard only because that's how Carl would always eat them. And, uh, <laughs> it was like 12 bucks for four hot dogs. And we gave the guy 40 bucks and said, keep the change. And he was just like, blown away. <laughs> like sure. completely blown away. And it was like the best feeling ever. It felt like an angel walking around New York and just like <laughs> tipping people big. Um, and we filmed the whole thing. You can find the final video on, on YouTube. Um, what's but, the, uh, how do we find that on YouTube? If you go to the Adit's page, just search Adit yep. Ruizing, it will probably come up. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was the video that we cut together and I, I had no idea that, uh, Gloria had can, kind of been letting Guy know that we were making the video and she mm -hmm. kind of had him approve the script and everything. And our friend, uh, Ian from a live nation that I work with, he's a super talented dude. He also makes music. He's a brand strategist. He does all this cool stuff. 
And he actually wrote a song for it because we had this idea for the music in the video being uh, the, the, the song Don't Stop Believing from Journey. Mm-hmm. But we didn't, we wanted it to be Don't Stop Ruizing instead of Believing. <laughs> and, uh, and we knew we couldn't use Don't Stop Believing because, you know, Journey right. would sue us if we used the video, we use that in the video. So yep. Ian created his art, like the, a custom track to Don't Stop Ruizing. And we use that in the video. So shout out to Ian for making that for us. It was pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, that video went out and it was to encourage people to tip ridiculously big for that one week. And uh, we dropped the video and all his friends from the Food Network shared it. And then Guy shared it on Twitter and IG and shouted us out and wow. started following us, which is pretty cool. Yeah, because I was going to say one of the things that I saw when I first was uh, looking into Aid It and you guys was that Guy Fieri follows you. And I was like, how, like how that doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. Like I've never seen a young startup of this size, have someone that big in the same industry, just, you know, automatically they're already following you. And, and so I was like, I need to hear the story behind that. And what like an incredible story that is behind that and, and how you guys became connected what did he think about the video? Like, did you ever get his uh, feedback? Did Gloria pass it on to you? He, I mean, as far as I know, he loved it. Um, you know, if you look back at his tweet about it, he was, he was, he seemed pretty stoked. Uh, we didn't have a direct conversation with him, but I know he was super right. happy with how it turned out. And I'm glad we worked in advertising for 10 years because it turned right. out pretty professional. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And uh, yeah, the way that I found you guys, we talked a little bit about this uh, earlier in the week. Uh, I feel like we should mention that um, we've rescheduled this uh, this interview like three or four times now because I've had <laughs> shit going on. You've had shit going on. But um, I think the cool thing has been that um, you and I have been able to talk and get to know each other before this. And um, first of all, I just want to say you're a really cool, dude. And the Thanks, way man. that I found you was through TikTok. And we were talking a little bit about TikTok the other day. Um, and uh, for those who who don't follow uh, Steve or I on TikTok, make sure that you do that. Um, but we were talking about TikTok a little bit and you posted a video that absolutely exploded and caused you guys <laughs> to get like crazy downloads and just bombarded day and night with DMs. So talk to me a little bit about how that came about what it was and and how you handled that situation. TikTok is a beast. It, yeah. I, I don't even know where to start with this, but um, I guess at, at one point we, we didn't, we had a TikTok account and we weren't really sure what to do with it because we thought it was just like for people to kind of do dance videos. And one of our advisors was like, you should start making TikToks. And I was just kind of like, isn't it just the dance thing? And he was <laughs> like, no, app. he's like, dig in, dig in, look at what else is on there. And I started looking and I'm like, okay, maybe we can come up. It seemed like there was like some kind of like meme jokes and other like more like edutainment kind of content. That's like getting people to understand what products are and do, people were doing reviews and a lot of foodies were starting to like go to restaurants and take video content of food um, rather than just post a picture on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I think we can do some stuff here. So started, if you scroll way back to like our first TikToks, they're like so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we were just trying to like get people to know what the app was in really simple ways, basically like screen recording the app and um, just showing people all the amazing dishes that you can get on there. And it hit a point where I discovered a feature on TikTok called video screen, video green screen. And I saw people like just putting stuff behind them, like you would on a virtual background on, on a zoom meeting at work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. It's like a moving one. Um, what if I screen recorded the app and put it behind? And I just was messing around and I did that and made it look like I was like using the app while I was like there physically and put it to some like trending song. This was last summer and it, it got like 150 
thousand views. And we had this like wow. spike of a bunch of users and we were kind of just like, oh, I think we're onto something. So we started creating different content and, and kind of just testing things out. And it's funny because so many people reach out and they're like, hey, what's your TikTok strategy? Like, can you develop a TikTok <laughs> strategy for us? I was like, here's the strategy. There isn't one. Just, <laughs> just random shit. Just throw throwing it on spaghetti at the wall and see what yep. sticks. Sure, you can have your like content pillars of like, we're going to do this type of content, this type of content, this type of content. But at the end of the day, the concepts, they're just going to come and go. And it's dependent on what's trending and what's cool or what's some random idea you have that you can just put out into the world. So this year, uh, one of my kind of New Year's resolutions, I guess you could call it, was to be more consistent on TikTok. Because I was like, you know, scrolling and they, you get hit with these, these videos of like, here's how to blow up your TikTok in three days. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm way, like, that was what? an incredibly accurate voiceover for that. <laughs> Do you want so to be TikTok famous? Here's how I did it in five steps. <laughs> <laughs> and they always talk super fast. <laughs> It's always it's always the lowest voice people. You know why they do that? Because like the 15 second videos perform the best. So they're trying to cram everything in. Yeah. It's freaking hilarious. Um, so one of the things I, I read was being consistent. And and that wasn't just with TikTok. I think that was a advice with just being an entrepreneur is consistency yeah. is key. Social media. And yeah. um, if you're if you're going in day in and day out with the same mission and the same focus, then something's gonna happen the universe will pay you back. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make a TikTok every day. And what I started to do is like, I noticed like some, some videos were per performing pretty well around like 8 PM Pacific time, 11 PM Eastern time, probably cause like people on the East coast are like laying in bed, scrolling on their phone. Yep. Um, so I started posting around that time and we were getting like decent, decent viewership. It was like a little bit over a thousand almost every time we were doing it. And, um, and then one day, like, I was just so tired. I like, I just didn't want, I didn't have any creativity. I didn't want to post. I had forgotten to post. It was like 9.30 PM. And I was like, shit, I forgot to post. I missed my, like, I don't want to miss my, my goal. Right. And I was looking in my drafts because that, that's what I would also do. Cause like some days were super creative and some days were not. So like I might create 10 TikToks in one day and just keep them in the drafts of my, of my TikTok folder. So I can just like get them out. Right. Um, and I was like looking at what I had in my drafts and it was running real low. And sometimes like I'll come up with an idea that may not be super polished, but it, it's just something in my head. So I'll create like a shitty version of it and save it for later. So I'll, I'll remind myself to make a better version of it. Right. To redo um, it. And I saw this one that I had, um, I had stitched from a, a food influencer in New York, Mike, and he started his video by throwing a dart at a map and said, I figured out the, the, I figured out the best way to figure out what to eat tonight. And he throws a dart at a map and it like lands on China. So he gets Chinese food or something like that. And, um, I stitched that. So like right after he throws the dart, it flipped to my girlfriend flipping through ate it and going through the the app experience. And it was kind of janky. I had like just done it as a placeholder and I was just kind of like, uh, I guess I could post this. I don't want to make something right now because I'm tired and I've already missed my deadline, my personal deadline. Right. So I was like, I'm just gonna use this and use that narrate feature on TikTok and just kind of say what's happening in the video. So, you know, I pop into the living room away from the fam and I was just like real quiet. <laughs> and I was just like, this is ate it. It's the simplest way to find the best food. Uh, find, find anything that you could be craving. And here are trust, the results are trusted critics that from the industry, no Karens. And all the reviews are eight words, dig in. And that's all I said. And I just posted it, poured another glass of wine, went to bed, woke up the next morning with quarter million views. <laughs> and <laughs> I was just like, what is that? Like I, I woke up with messages from the, from the rest of the team and they were like, yo, that, that TikTok you posted last night blew up. I was just like, no way. This has to be a mistake. <laughs> I was like, maybe it was one of the other ones that I spent like all day working on oh yeah that i that i spent all day filming and editing and and getting the voiceover just so and and really spent time on no 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 it was it was the one that you did uh haphazardly just randomly 
Yeah, man. So from there, it was, um, you know, we're in beta on the app right now because we're still making things better. We're only in New York. We're slowly rolling out in LA. Our vision is to grow nationally, but we're, we're really focused on quality over quantity. So we have a password on the app um, just to make sure also like from a usage standpoint, like our servers can't handle thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the app right now. Right. So um, if you don't know the password, we encourage people to DM us on Instagram and ask for it. And that helps us control the the floodgates. And right. the floodgates were backed up when this happened. I've never, <laughs> like, I, now I understand how probably Guy Fieri's Instagram looks like. Like, oh, yeah. the, D, the DMs, like, I was just scrolling and scrolling. There was thousands and thousands and thousands of people asking, what's the password? What's the password? Oh, my and, gosh. Um, while it was a pain in the butt, we were, it was a great problem to have. Um, right. But it was, impo it's important for us as we build the ADIT community to have one-to-one -one relationships with everyone that's downloading the app. Because the last thing we want is people to just, you know, download an app and just be like, oh, this isn't in New York. This app sucks. I'm out. Right. And then they delete it. But when we converse with those people as we're building that community, we're, you know, finding out where they are. We're letting them know that we're only in New York and we're only three people doing this as a side hustle. Like, right. and then, and then the responses are like amazing. They're like, keep doing what you're doing. This is going to change the world. This is so cool. We're, we're going to keep this app on our phone until it comes to our city just to support you. Like that kind of stuff makes it all worth it. Um, but that that was a crazy week when that happened. I don't, I, like we were up till three, four in the morning every night just responding to people. I had friends friends reach out like, "Hey, can I help you respond to DMs?" Like it was <laughs> like I know it you're was crazy. swamped right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's too. I'm pretty sure that's when I reached out. Um, and I think the amazing thing to me was I think within 24 hours you'd gotten back to me. We'd had a conversation about, "Hey, it's not in you know Annapolis yet, or it's not in Maryland yet." Um, you know, like, uh, that's like, we're going to expand there one day and like do all this stuff. We'd had a conversation and that's then when I got your email, but I was so blown away that like, you do really like you, you talk about having a one-to-one -one relationship with these people, but you don't just talk about it. Like you were doing it. Like we were having a full on conversation. I'm sure as you're responding to like, you know, 300 other people. And I was just blown away that like, such a small team, an incredible idea, and you guys are able to work with this kind of volume was just amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's super important to us. Like a lot of people were saying, like, I thought this was gonna be a robot I was talking to. And yeah, like, no, it's it's the real people behind the business. And at this stage where we're at, that's so important. So when you reached I'm out, sure. I was like, yeah. Tots. I'm like, I saw the logo. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, tater tots. I love tater. I love tater tots. <laughs> I definitely love tater tots. So let's let's give this guy a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Come to find out, it's just a boring podcast where I just talk to random people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever. I'm flattered to be on here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, dude. I mean, I uh, I I struggled a little bit to because. Okay, set the stage. I really I have all these people on who. I think are going to change the world with what they're doing, but I've never had a way to quantify that or stamp it or, or what category to put that in, in terms of like what you guys are actually doing. Um, we've had crazy people on the show that are doing incredible things. Um, you know, for example, one of the people that we've had on is astronaut Nicole Mann. She's scheduled to go to the international space station within the next year. Like that's, we have people on this show who are actively doing amazing and incredible things. And I think you fall into that category. And so I'm happy to announce that starting with this episode, we now have a new category on our website for episodes with people who we believe are changing the world and it's called world changers. And you will be the first official interview to ever be in that category. So, Whoa, that's crazy. Thank you, oh, dude. Yeah. World Absolutely. changer. World Damn. changer. Setting the bar high for me. I like that. Absolutely. Listen, this is something that I need uh, like on a daily basis. So 
I have to make sure it succeeds. So we have to put you in a different category. So, wow, that's dude. I'm so flattered. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I know, I know Ada isn't in Maryland yet, but I'll give you one recommendation that will be an Ada when it does come there. Cause it was one of Carl's favorite sandwiches and it's Ooh, called okay. chap chaps pit beef chaps pit beef. Yeah. If you go there, get the sandwich, you'll, you'll be ruizing yourself. I'm so excited to Ruiz. I, I, I've been thinking about it this whole interview. I need to I need to go out and Ruiz today. And yeah, you do. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. All right. Three last questions for you. Then I'm going to let you get out of here. My first one is if you were a drink or you know what? OK, we, normally I ask if you were a drink, what would you be and why? Blah, blah, blah. You're a food guy. Let's change it up a little bit. If you were a dish, what would you be and why? Whoa. A lot of firsts today. A lot of firsts. This is a hard question. I don't it's think a, I've ever been asked question. this question in my it's life. It's a stump question. I feel like I should play uh, Jeopardy music right now. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can do that in post for sure. Exactly. I think... You know, it's one of my favorite dishes, but I also think it's a little bit representative of me as a bowl of pho. A bowl because of pho. Okay. I'd like to consider my personality pretty warm. Okay. And uh, a lot of the times there's jalapenos in there, so you can make it a little spicy. Because sometimes I'm a little bit unpredictable, but it's always something that uh, feels like a like a hug for your insides. And I, I think... Um, my personality and what I bring to the table is something that's warm and, and people want to be around. And I, I take a lot of pride in that. And um, Vietnamese people are awesome and they have a lot of high energy and, and I have a lot of high energy. So I think I, I, I find myself uh, pretty relatable to a bowl of pho. There you go. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah, I think you're, you're the first person also that has gotten the, the food option. So maybe we're going to have to switch that up for people that are, uh, I like that. I like that's that. a great answer. I always thought it was called faux because that's how it's spelled. And I'm uncultured as hell, but well, maybe you, you better, you better start saying it. You better start saying it right. We have a, we have a line at ate it that says, if you think pho rhymes with bro, this app's not for you. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, here's what I'm no, hoping. It's, okay. It's pho. It's pho. It's it's pho. pho. It's like you know how you, PHO, you ever you ever listen to Rick Ross where he's like oh, <laughs> oh. it's like yep. pho pho yep there you go <laughs> but hopefully when Aidit comes to Maryland I will I will use the app to become more of a cultured person that's that's my goal right there there you go it will definitely help you with that <laughs> good. My next question for you is, do you have any regrets? Let's say you, I don't know why I always put people in their death scenarios that like I'm predicting. Okay. Let's say you go to a Vietnamese place to get a bowl of pho and Rick Ross um, has a vendetta against you. You had no idea, but you made fun of him on some crappy podcast. And he's like, <laughs> I'm going to poison that dude. He poisons your pho and you die. You're dying. Any regrets other than calling out Rick Ross? I really, I, I really think I don't. I, I believe everything happens for a reason. Even the shitty stuff is always put in front of us as a challenge to be better. And if I had to say anything, it would be, I wish I spent more time with my grandparents and got their recipes. I think, um, you know, between my, my grandpa's signature homemade sausage and my nonna's, um, my nonna's marinara sauce, like that I just, me and my sister just cannot replicate <laughs> no matter how hard we try. We're not sure what she put in there, but, um, I wish, I wish I could have spent a little bit more time with them and, and, and captured some of the the stuff that they they passed along to us because it was a little bit before there were phones like we there were right. phones but it wasn't like we were filming everything like we do today 
And I wish I had like kind of filmed some of their stories or recorded some of their stories. My grand, my nonno's jokes were like the best. And now I can't remember any of them. You know, he was, he was classic, you know, a rabbi, uh, a rabbi, a priest and a cat walked into a bar like that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, right. I don't remember what that joke was, but it was so funny. So if I had to say a regret, it would be to spend more time with my nonna and nonno. I think that's good advice, too, for people that, you know, still have grandparents. I think, you know, they carry these stories and these jokes and things from, you know, who they were. And they also carry the memories and stories of people that passed before them. And so I think a lot of people, unfortunately, today look at elderly people like they're a burden when really like they're one of the greatest resources that we have for understanding like how things work and how the world used to be. So I think, I think that's uh, good advice. Yeah, it, it is incredible. I want to give a quick shout out to um, a friend, Charlotte, who st- has a cool startup. She'd actually be an interesting podcast guest for you um, potentially in the future. She, she's a, yeah. a world changer. Um, she's got a company called Circle. And what it's all about is connecting the young generation with the older generation to share advice. So um, it's kind of built around the insight that like a lot of older people are being pushed out of corporate jobs because they're too old. And there's a lot of young people that are working in corporations that don't have anyone to learn from because a lot of the mistakes people have made in the past can be prevented with the future. And her company is, is all about connecting, um, the older generation with the younger generation, the older generation can learn from the younger generation about technology and things that maybe make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. And the younger generation right. can old learn from the older generation um, by learning from their mistakes and giving and getting advice from them. So um, yeah, check out Circle. It's a pretty cool company. Um, so shout out to Charlotte. Awesome. Yeah. And my last question for you is, what is your goal with Ada? Where do you want it to go? Where do you see it going? And, and what do you want it to hit? I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, we have crazy, crazy goals in our roadmap in terms of product features and cool stuff. But at the end of the day, we really, from a consumer standpoint, we want it to be the simplest way to find the best food for everyone around the world. So if, if you land in Toronto and you want to eat like Drake, you should be able to pull up and see what Drake's favorite dishes are in Toronto. Um, and if you land in London, you should be able to see what all the top recommended fried fish is, you know? So right. uh, that is the goal ultimately at the end of the day for eaters like you is to make it really simple. So you're actually on your phone less. Um, a lot of the times like we're, spending so much time researching on our computers and our phones and we're on Instagram all day scrolling and TikTok or whatever. Like we're not trying to be an app that um, consumes you. We want it to help you consume. So that's, uh, that's, that's a good that's line that's right the there. End goal. That's the end goal for, for Aided as, as, a, as, a, as an eater. And then on the, on the restaurant side, we want the end goal to be to help restaurants and chefs innovate and make more money and get more people into their restaurants without charging them. So that's incredible. Steve, thank you so much for coming on. That is going to do it for our episode today. Thanks for having me, Ben. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. If you guys want to check out more episodes from Tots, you can go to totspodcast.com. You can also go and find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you consume podcasts. Please. Follow our TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I I think we have pretty much every single social media. You can find us at all those on either TotsCast or Tots Podcast. Check out our YouTube. And Steve, if they want to support you and what you're doing, where can they find you? So if you have an Apple phone or an Android phone, Aided is available on both. When you download it, it will ask you for a password. And we've created a special password for all the TOTS listeners. So if you put in TOTS, you'll get into the app. Um, Just in case you didn't listen to the rest of the podcast, it's only in New York and parts of LA, but we are expanding nationally this year. So please give it a download, get a sense of what the app is. And um, we're excited for you guys to try it. That's amazing. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We post every single Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'll see you next week.